and welcome to the Actually Making a Difference podcast, the show about starting, growing, and marketing your purpose-led business. No magic wands, no false promises, just simple, straightforward, and honest advice based on decades of experience. I'm your host, Sarah Price, and you are ready to actually make a difference. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Actually Making a Difference podcast. Forgive me, listeners, for I have sinned. It has been two weeks since my last podcast episode. Between the Easter holidays and getting ready for a major launch at Actually, it's been tricky to find time to do some recording. But I'm here now, and this is your one-stop shop for tips, insight, and support to help you to start, grow, and promote your impact business. Now, this episode is going live on Monday, the 24th of April, 2023, the day that I begin running Actually in Wonderland, a free five-day storytelling experience over in the Actually Making a Difference Facebook group. You can follow along with some of the action in the group. There's a link to join in the show notes or register to get access to the whole experience. Yes, there's a link for that too. But in honour of the Wonderland experience, let me tell you a story. Some of you may have heard it before. It's almost 30 years ago, but I can still see the sorrowful face of my friend David, nicknamed Pooper for reasons lost in the midst of time, as he waved to me from the office window. I can still hear the heavy rain beating down on the pavement as I huddled in the doorway of our office building and the swish of cars and buses speeding past on the wet tarmac. I can still feel the early needles of a headache starting behind my eyes, thanks largely to a boozy lunch with colleagues. The pain in my head was accompanied by the strain in my arms as I tried to juggle an enormous handbag, a heavy box filled with books and photos, my mug, other knickknacks from my desk, and a bouquet of flowers. The cheerful, bright reds and yellows of those flowers were really like an insult to me, as though my bouquet was thumbing its nose at the tears pouring down my very blotchy face. The grey skies, the ceaseless rain, the rank smell of hundreds of filthy cigarette butts in the overflowing ashtray by the door were much more in keeping with my mood. It was my last day at UNICEF and I was completely devastated. I didn't want to leave. My boss didn't want me to leave. My boss's boss didn't want and so on. So why was I leaving? Why was I walking away from a job that I loved, a job that, even on its most boring days, still had me bouncing out of bed every morning, a job that was fulfilling and inspiring and aligned with my desire to do something meaningful in the world? Simple. Money. Now, some of you know I grew up on the island of Jersey, a well-known haven for the super-rich. But I don't come from wealthy stock. The bank of mum and dad had firmly closed its doors when I graduated from university and I was fending for myself, like many others, in one of the most expensive cities in the world, London. After a few years of working in Parliament earning peanuts, 
My finances had already been in a pretty parlous state when I arrived at UNICEF. Now, two years later, I was essentially bankrupt. My bank manager had called me. Remember the days when your bank manager spoke to you in person? And he spelled out my choices in pretty stark terms. Sarah, you've been consistently spending more than you earn for the past four years and you've still not paid off the overdraft you first took out as a student. You've got two choices. Find somewhere cheaper to live outside of London or get a better paid job. I had wanted to live in London since I was a child. It had always been my stock answer to the what do you want to do when you grow up question that bored adults had asked me at my parents' parties. I want to live in London, I'd reply. The implication being, pretty accurately at that age, that I didn't really care what I did for a living so long as I could live in the big smoke. Later on, I learned to articulate my desire to make a difference, to fight injustice, to tackle human rights abuses, to create change in the world in some way. But the backdrop for all of my career goals, for all of my life, had been London. Moving out of London was unthinkable to me in my mid-twenties. Completely unthinkable. Which really only left the earn more money option. Standing in that doorway, crying as I left the job that I loved, forced to make a choice between making a difference and making a living, I was heartbroken. And then, to be honest, I was just raging. I couldn't understand why our society refuses to value people who are dedicated to serving others, those who want to make a positive difference to create meaningful change. Why is it the case that teachers, nurses, social workers, carers, And yes, those who work for charities are paid such a pittance. Why do we pay people who manage money hundreds of times more than we pay the people that look after our sick, our elderly, our children and our world? I didn't get it then. And nobody has ever been able to explain it adequately to me since. So I still don't get it. Now, don't get me wrong, I've had a wonderful career. I have spent nearly 30 years in PR, communications, marketing. I've started two highly successful businesses. But for more than two decades, I lived with the choice that I felt I had been forced to make between work that made a difference and work that paid me what I wanted and needed to earn. I started actually four years ago because of that part of me that was still angrily crying in the rain, leaving the job she loved and promising that one day, one day, she would work out how to get back to work that made a difference. And now I help people like you to make your difference and make a great living, helping you to build healthy, sustainable businesses so that you can have a positive impact on the world without sacrificing your financial well-being because it is possible and you don't have to choose between purpose and profit. So that's my story. How many times in your life have you been enthralled by a good story? How many times have you stayed up late to read a novel that you just couldn't put down or to watch a movie you couldn't switch off? 
How many times have you stored up and repeated a story? I heard this thing the other day. Someone at work was telling me, my friend Joe said, I saw this thing on TikTok. Stories are not a modern invention. Although to hear some marketing and business gurus speak, you'd think they had invented the concept. We are raised on stories. From bedtime stories, fables, fairy tales and cartoons, we are immersed in stories from the moment we are born and inundated with them throughout our lives so that they become embedded in the way that we think. And there are multiple research studies that show stories have a unique effect on the brain. They cause us to produce oxytocin, a chemical that's related to empathy. Stories stimulate our senses in multiple ways. And a really great story, listening to that story, is not a passive act. It is an active experience. The research shows that hearing a good story triggers the same parts of the brain that are stimulated when we actually experience an event. So as far as your brain is concerned, there is very little difference between listening to a story and actually experiencing something. And that is what makes stories so powerful. Stories can change the way that we think, act and feel. They can capture your imagination. They can illustrate your ideas. They can inspire people. They can persuade. They can influence. And as human beings, we are hardwired for stories. Stories allow us to build connection and we are hardwired for connection. So of course, marketers and business owners have cottoned on to the power of stories in a business context. And if you Google storytelling in business, you'll find millions and millions of references, books, training, workshops about how to use story in business. In today's episode of the podcast and over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to share with you some tips and insights about how to craft great stories and how to share them. Now, on a previous episode of this podcast, I talked about my version of the standard marketing model. And my version goes something like this. First, attract, then nurture, then invite, then deliver. Bringing any bells? You need to ensure that you're devoting time and energy to all four of these stages of activity if you're going to successfully grow your business. And if you want to review the episode where I talk about that model and the guide that went with it, then you can find a link in the show notes. Now, I'm often asked, when is it best to use stories in this model? Attract, nurture, invite, deliver. What's the best point at which stories will be most effective? And the honest answer is this, at every stage. You can use stories to attract people towards your community. They can help you to stand out, to connect, to engage, to attract strangers towards your work. You can use stories to nurture people within your community. They create insight and understanding. 
You can use them to allow your people to get to know you and more about why you're here and what you do. And stories build that emotional connection that builds loyalty. You can use stories as part of your invitation. Stories can be incredibly persuasive and persuade people to take action. And you can use stories during your delivery to land specific points, to encourage insights and aha moments, to illustrate how to use a product, to answer questions, to teach. So stories are relevant and a useful tool at every part of that business and marketing process. They are how we inspire, engage, influence and persuade. And yet, in a business context, when we want to persuade, when we want to influence, and that's, to be honest, what most sales and marketing is, right? Persuasion and influence. Most of us have traditionally been trained or expected to use conventional rationale and rhetoric. Logical, factual, classic rational left brain stuff. It always seems like the right approach in business, right? But here's the thing. People are not rational. It infuriates fact lovers and economists, but it's true. Facts in and of themselves are rarely influential until they mean something. People may agree with your statistics. They may agree with your facts, but they're not inspired by them. They're not engaged by them. They won't recall them and they won't take them on as their own and then pass them on faithfully to others. In a world that is filled with information, lies, damn lies and statistics, people don't simply want facts. They're overwhelmed with facts. And according to Annette Simmons, the author of The Story Factor, what people want is faith. Faith in you, your goals, your success and in the story that you tell. It is faith that moves mountains, not facts. Facts do not give birth to faith. Stories are how you create faith. Facts are how you then shore up that faith. So if you're looking to persuade, you need to learn how to use stories. That's what Actually in Wonderland is all about. It starts today, if you're listening to this on the day that the this episode comes out, the 24th of April, 2023, over in the Actually Making a Difference Facebook group. But as I said, I'm going to cover some of the main elements of crafting stories and storytelling in the next few episodes of this podcast. So do tune in next week to find out more about why stories are important and how you can craft compelling, resonant stories for use in your business. Because it's time and you are ready to actually make a difference with story. Thank you for listening to the Actually Making a Difference podcast with me, Sarah Price. Come and join a community of purpose in our free and friendly Actually Making a Difference Facebook group. Because now that you're part of my world, you need never feel alone on this entrepreneurial journey and you will always be welcome.